This is an ABC podcast. This guy's had years to do it and hasn't done it. I don't care who he campaigns with. You should perhaps ask the other side of politics who jumped this plan. They had it in 2010. You've got to do more than one thing. This is Matters of State, brought to you by ABC Melbourne and ABC Victoria, with Richard Willingham and Raph Epstein. I'm Raph Epstein, host of The Drive Show on ABC Radio Melbourne. And I'm Richard Willingham, the ABC's state political reporter here in Melbourne. Welcome to Matters of State. It's your weekly look behind the curtain of the Victorian election campaign, which has got four weeks to go. Four weeks to go, Richard. I want everyone to understand and I want to talk about the landscape that Matthew Guy in particular has to traverse. Firstly, we're essentially a left-wing state. The Coalition have only won one election in the last 25 years. One. One. So that gives you an indication of our past performance. Keep in mind the Coalition, they got in once, they lost in 2014, but then they went backwards last time. So they lost government in 2014, went backwards in 2018, and that is, of course, when Matthew Guy was opposition leader. He did worse than when they lost government. So the lay of the land now is that the Coalition have 27 seats in an 88-seat parliament. So there's a few difficulties with that. Number one, the government has double the number of seats. If you look at a redistribution, they won 55. If you look at the nominal seats, the way that they've been reshuffled for this election, they actually have an extra seat. They have 56 to the coalition's 27. And for Matthew Guy to win, he has to win 18 seats. So it's a huge, huge task. And I want to know... Richard, if you reckon the polls give him any chance? Well, the polls don't give him any chance. We saw one Friday morning in The Age, and it showed... The, it was only on primary vote, because that's how the resolve poll works. Labor's primary is on 38. Liberals and Nationals' primary vote was 31. Now, they need to be in the 40s to be a chance of winning government. When they won government in 2010, it was in 44%, I think. So that's, I guess, an idea of how big the challenge is. Labor's primary is down too, but... The Greens is about 12%. The progressive vote is still up there, as you mentioned, it's progressive vote. Another interesting thing to note, Raph, going back to how many elections the Liberals have won in the last 25 years, the last two elections they have won from opposition in Victoria, the opposition leader was against a Labor Premier who wasn't popularly elected. So Joan Kerner in 1992 didn't win an election, was a handover. Ted Bailey beat John Brumby in 2010. He never faced an election either. He wasn't elected. So history is against them. The polls are against them. One thing to note is that both the Labor Party and the opposition believe that the the election result will be tighter than what the polls will suggest. Most people believe that Labor will still win, but there are some situations where Labor slides backwards enough that they fall into minority government. And that's not all going to the Liberal Party. So we're expecting the Greens to do well in in, in, in Melbourne where retirements are happening. But we also don't know if the regional uh, suburban independents yeah. might do well. So there's a lot at play. But as you point out, that Everest that Matthew Guy has to climb, it's not getting any smaller. I don't hear many people talking about Labor minority government. I, I know everyone's open to the possibility and everyone's very careful because you can't believe the polls. A poll is a snapshot, it's not a prediction, but they're very comfortable and they're pretty cocky. 
Yes, I, that, well, there's definitely there's definitely an element of cocky. I'd go far as hubris and arrogance from some of them, and that's you've got two different people in the Labor Party right now: those who are full of hubris and just think they're going to waltz it in, and there's others who are really worried, and they're worried about certain patches of Melbourne. Um, and there is a conflict between the Premier's private office and the campaign office. Bit of problem there. I wonder if it's the John Howard of 2004. He's a bit tricky and a bit shifty, but I trust him. Or is he the John Howard of 2007? Is Dan Andrews the 2007 John Howard who, I'm over it, he's so good at this stuff, but I want a fresh start? Well, there's a, I think there's a lot of Howard comparisons. These people may not like Daniel Andrews, but, but they respect they him. They respect him and they go, better the devil you know, he gets things done, he's a man of his word. Although I... I the thing I have heard consistently, and it really struck me because I was in Q, which the Liberal Party are at risk of losing to one of these new independents, oh, he's made mistakes, but he's done all right. And I think the Labor Party are banking on that. It isn't they the level really, of they really are. They yeah. really are banking on it. The CFMEU have got posters in their, in their union headquarters in, in workshops across construction sites saying, Dan is a prick. But he's been a good. He's been good for the construction he's sector. He's a prick, but he's our prick. Yeah, exactly. And he's delivering for use. It's 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 quite remarkable that a a labor union is putting out this material to its members, saying, "Yeah, we know you don't like him, but gee, he's good for us." And that sort of stuff can work. The stories they try to tell about who they are and what they will do come through in their big announcements, their big attention grabbing announcements. If you think about what the premier is trying to do. When it comes to electricity, we're all facing higher electricity prices. Daniel Andrews is driving hard on the idea that Jeff Kennett's privatisation is a mistake. The privatisation was the wrong thing to do. That's why he's going to bring back, in some form, the SEC, the State Electricity Commission. Going to spend a billion dollars over 10 years, which is not a tonne, but it is still a lot more government intervention in the electricity market than we have had since they were sold. Here's what the Premier said this week. It was a mistake to sell our electricity assets. The privatisation of electricity in Victoria has failed and we're not going to repeat the mistakes that the Liberals made. Now, that's classic Daniel Andrews politics, making it about people and railing against the system and all that sort of jazz. Matthew Guy has got to stand for something. You can't just be opposing. So one of the things they've done, which is a really interesting piece of policy, is that they are promising to make... All your public transport fares in metropolitan areas, just $2. $2 all day, every day, and they're going to halve V-line fares. The easier way is to put a $2 flat fare, $10 a week, right? That's it to come back into the city. That makes it fair, easy, cheap, you know, an affordable option. The, the problem that Matthew Guy may face is, that, is there enough trust in the electorate that the Liberal Party will serve as public transport properly? And that's something they're fighting against, but it's a, it's a good piece of populist policy it's dominating their social media, um, which the delivery of it is not particularly good, but it's it's out there. They're talking about Matthew Guy's on his um, Instagram with images of him trying to buy a piccolo coffee and saying, you know, public transport fares will be cheaper. Now, I do remember a time when coalition MPs bagged latte sippers, so having a little piccolo maybe not the right image, but maybe it's just a sign of the times are changing, Raf. Okay, Rich, but all of this is in the background. What most people are thinking about of the floods from Melbourne to the Murray. And you'd better believe there are politics at play. And to take us through all of this, 
We're joined by Sharnel Vella. She covers state politics for seven years. Sharnel, welcome to Matters of State. Thanks so much for having me. Love that music. Uh, what do you think the government makes of the flood coverage? And big qualifier here, we've all covered the floods. Tons of people impacted. It's terrible. It's an emergency. But this is a politics podcast, so it we're going to talk about the politics mm. of this. How does the state government feel about Dan Andrews out there every day. Well, I think the Premier, when he found out there were floods, probably went into a room on his own, quickly high-fived himself, and he came back out because this is the Premier he enjoys being. He loves being, you know, at at the head of the state when when it's all kind of falling apart. It's when he falls into play, and you know this as well, It's Rich. like It's Commander-in-Chief stuff. You know, I think they're a bit nervous. I think they're a bit nervous because there's a lot of pressure on him. He can make mistakes, and I don't know how much people want to see the Premier every day, everywhere. And I think he wants to avoid a Scott Morrison Cabago moment oh. where he's with people who actually don't want to see him. I think they are absolutely avoiding that at all costs. How, how stage-managed has it been? So state. However stage-managed you think it is, it is 10 times more stage-managed than that. There are a group of people known as the advances, which every Premier has, the Prime Minister has them too. Uh, but this week, that team, I have seen people they being... And they're being added. There's new advances right. that I haven't seen before. So that team is clearly growing. And they are there to make sure that the Premier doesn't stand in front of a bin or something that we can write as a pun, basically. Or a sign that says danger or... Anything like that. The famous reject shop Tony Abbott photo. We were in Seymour talking to flood victims and we actually had... We'd lined up a chat. Uh, someone was going to come and have a chat to us, live to air, who owned a pub. And they were like, oh, no, can't come and chat to you. I'll be a little bit late because the Premier's going to pop in. Now, I don't think any uh, any of you guys working in the press gallery were told he was going to be in No Seymour. idea. What do we think is the strategy? He's popped up in a few places now and there's no media there. Mm. What's the point? Stay clean. They've got four weeks and they want to avoid any kind of gaffe, any kind of uh, the Premier putting his hand out and that person not shaking it, so he has to pick it up and, and do the fake handshake. They don't want any of that at all. They I've seen a few angry videos too. I know in a, there was a shopping centre, I can't remember if it was Daniel or South Melbourne, but someone was essentially, there's Dan Andrews just walking to his car and someone's shouting abuse at him, filming the Premier while shouting into their phone. So I guess they want to avoid that kind of stuff. There's that. And there, there are some security concerns it's not as and that's legit that's legit mm -hmm. it's 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 what happened and what's happened because of the, the pandemic that yeah. sort of vitriol and the hatred is out, is out there and we're not the only ones wondering why he hasn't been to flood zones your colleague bridget rollison actually asked him and here was his response i'll be there soon i've been to bendigo shepparton seymour and rochester uh, and I'll be into that community soon also. What's important to remember, what when he's reeling off all those places he's been, they've still been staged, managed appearances. He's been going to control centres where people are expecting him, the advances are all there, they're told to shake his hand, and he's having very um, staged conversations with people. He's not meeting real people walking down the street. He's popped into the pub, but I presume if you're told the Premier's going to come to your pub, you're also not letting the public in, are you? No, no, you you make sure that it's it's all rigididge and yeah. you don't want to have an incident at your pub, or maybe you do. Is Matthew Guy meeting the public? Because I haven't seen him doing a street walk. So is the opposition... Well, we, haven't seen any, we haven't seen any street walks that the media's been invited to. I think Matthew Guy this morning on Friday morning was out at a warehouse in Mickleham mm. in, in Melbourne's you far north. You can bet your staff, I exactly. presume. Exactly. They're all... It, so it's, is this the sad like a, demise of an Australian tradition or is well, this unusual? Yes, I think it is. I think it's part pandemic... 
um, related because there is so much anger in the community and it only takes, a, it, you know, it takes less than 1% of people to be awful to have a problem. I also think it's probably got to do a bit with the popularity of both the leaders. We were talking earlier about mm. these aren't, you know, Daniel Andrews is popular, more popular than Matthew Guy. The polls show us that. But there is an element that really don't like him. And Matthew Guy struggles for recognition and a lot of people don't like him. Recently, I was, oh, when I say recently, a couple of weeks ago, I happened to be walking down Spring Street with Matthew Guy. And there were people in the city that were saying, you know, give him hell in November. And they knew him in the city. To contrast that, some friends of mine saw him shaking hands in Oakley uh, about two weeks ago. And he was shaking hands and talking to people. And as he walked off, the people he just met said, who was that? <laughs> I want to return to how stage managed things are, the things that we all see behind the camera that uh, we don't get to see on television or hear on the radio. Mm. I, don't, I go to a few press conferences, not many. It was very striking to me at a Matthew Guy press conference recently. It isn't unusual for them to have staff who stand behind the cameras just so they've got someone to look at. You guys all ask the questions yes. in, in a place that if they look at you, it looks a bit odd on television. So that's normal to have someone behind the cameras. However, Matthew Guy has a perfectly lovely, polite, reasonable bloke running his media who does some very exaggerated. There's yeah. a lot. I was there for about 40 <laughs> minutes. There's a constant thumbs up, thumbs up, big smiles. He's really leaning into that job. Now, I don't know if that's something Matthew Guy mm. wants or this is uh, a new media strategy from new staff. Does that always happen? Well, I think about the one that Rich and I were at, which was the police conference. And uh, th this lovely bloke that you mentioned was standing behind the cameras and, and it was getting a bit heated back and forth about funding. And we saw one hand gesture, which was both palms towards the ground. Um, keep it, keep it cool, it keep it calm. And that was the one that we noticed the most. That one really stood out. And I think, I mean, it's not an unreasonable thing to do to have, you know, it's basically having Someone a coach. You a few What's cues? a coach giving yeah. you know their players? You know, but the it's line. very. But I mean, I've, it's I've a seen lot more it, obvious than most press conferences. It is the most, most obvious, most obvious I've ever seen it. But yeah. I think that's yeah. part of the, the the transition from Matthew to Matt guy. One of the criticisms was mm. in the 2018 election campaign was that on TV Matthew guy came across as too angry. So it's it's a deliberate and it's something they've acknowledged. And I think. He that, still comes across angry. Well, I think he's much less angry than he used to be. Um, and, you know, having been having been around yeah. for a while, I think the, the, the double palms down has worked. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think the certainly... Premier has ones as well. I think when he folds his notes and puts them into his suit jacket, that means he's signalling to his people. I would people, like the last questions call. I'm, I'm, getting, I'm done here. And then he, he does get the nods. He gets the nods from his uh, advisors in the eye line. There's a, there's a nod that goes on. But Daniel Andrews' press conferences are notoriously long. Oh. It's like almost a Mexican standoff. I was going to say he might put the notes away <laughs> and the advisor yeah. might call out last questions, but he seems to have a personal obsession. He will not walk away it's, until you guys he are will exhausted. Occup occupy the crease yeah. for as long as it possible. It is Muhammad yeah. Ali, yeah. George Frazier in the jungle, yeah. rope a dope. I will take everything. It's often we Rich won't, and I debating who's, which of us is going to walk away first. Uh, yeah. And it, it's, <laughs> you know, it is, it'll be a text message. I'm done. Are you done? Oh, yeah, I'm done. done. But on the pandemic, I get an amazing level of vitriol. I'm sure you all encounter it whenever I go on Vox Pop people and ask them what they think. But I, I want to separate out the vitriol and the love for the Premier from whether or not it is a vote decider. Because mm. I can't work out, is the pandemic something that just 
entrenched people's views or did it actually shift people's I, views? I think it. I think we don't know. Mm. The it's definitely shifted some people's votes. It's definitely entrenched some people's votes. I mean, this is a cop out answer, but we won't know until November twenty six. Is the election result the final chapter of the pandemic? Is it? Does it tell us well, how I, finally people feel about what we lived through? I think it does. I, I think. I think it does. I think. You're not sure, Rich. I think um, I, I don't know, but feels I, to me like it is. It could be, yeah. but I also think I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of the pandemic anger was washed out in the federal election. So no. voters have had a go at it. Don't you think it's different for Victorians, though? It's, it's different yeah, it for is. us. It's different. It Come on, it's the number one thing. If you want to engage someone yeah. who doesn't do what well, we goes... do, they know more about what the government and the opposition did during the pandemic than anything else. It's the then... it's the thing people feel the most about, and feel the most passionate about. I think the question, though, is do you think the other side would have done it better? Yes, totally. And that determines their vote. And that comes, that's comes through in all the polling we're seeing and all the research is saying, you know, Andrews is still strong, Labor's primary is dropping, but yeah. there's still that, that group of voters who are like, oh, I don't really like him, but... Oh, He's made a few mistakes, but... Mm-hmm. I get that a hell of a lot but, when I ask I, people. But I also think this is the danger f- for Labor. State politics is very different from federal politics because people aren't in- as engaged all the time. There is less coverage. I mean, there's always excellent coverage on the ABC and Chanel does a great job too. Thank you. But there's not... It's the, not the same. It's not, it's not the showbiz, right, yeah. of federal politics. And so people... Um, are, it's not on TV. No. And I think Daniel Andrews may be different. He is sort of a, a cut-through leader, if you like. But it's not... It's Even though state politics, I would argue, dominates your daily life more... It's less in your daily life in terms of your consumption of media, etc. Except for the Daily Dan, though. Yeah. But, so I think the polls are picking up sentiment now, obviously. That's what their job is. But as the election comes closer, people switch on more and more. So I do think they're, I mean, most everyone's predicting that the polls will narrow, in theory. That's what happens at elections. But I, I just think that this is a danger period and people who are... Their only recollection of the Premier, this is the, they don't pay attention to politics, but they've got to vote. Their only recollection of the Premier is like, he's the bloke that did COVID, right? And they go, I hated it, or he did a good job. It's that simple. I think that's, it comes back to your point. So you've, you've turned me on the show right now. <laughs> <laughs> Chanel Vella, thank you so much for being part of Matters of State. Thanks for having me. My postscript for the podcast this week. The polls are actually widening, which means the coalition are in a bit more trouble. Some of the published polls are widening for the coalition. Secondly, keep in mind, it doesn't matter where you do the research, Australia, America, Europe, 20% of voters only make up their minds a few days before they vote, which is why the politicians are going to be trying so hard between now and Election Day. My postscript for the podcast this week is integrity. There's still questions from IBAC about the Labor Party and also from the Electoral Commission about the Liberal Party's donation scheme. So one to watch. And that is it for Matters of State this week. But we'll be back in your feeds next Friday. Happy campaigning.